Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning. Good morning. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter. And hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just wanted to see if I could get you to ring your bells. I have a lot of power. This is exciting. We are so excited to have you all here today. Welcome again to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. My name is Father Ryan, and I'm one of the pastors here. And um, If you would, please join with me as we begin to look into God's Word together to pray. Lord Jesus, may you open my mouth, and I may proclaim your praise. May you open our hearts and our minds today by the power of your Holy Spirit to know and understand the good news you have given us in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, if you're anything like me, uh, you find something a bit cruel about Easter morning. I am someone who, generally speaking, I I relate much better to the uh, more somber tones, uh, the more uh, dark, if you will, uh, images of uh, of Thursday, Friday, and early Saturday during our vigil than I do to the brilliance of the second part of the vigil when things are bright and happy in Easter morning. I don't know why that is. Something about my upbringing, perhaps. My sister is here. Uh, she can attest to. Um, I, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying there's... This is a... Um, you, you, you did, yes. And, and I, I'm, I'm more of a brooding personality, if you will. So I just relate more personally to those tones, uh, generally speaking. Uh, it, it's almost like the, the light, uh, it, it's almost like the, the brightness is too bright for our eyes when you first, it's, it's like when you turn on the bedroom light in the morning, uh, and, and it, it, before your pupils really have the chance to adjust. Uh, so too, I feel uh, the, the 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 joy and the brightness of Easter, uh, while exultant, it's also jarring. It comes rather suddenly, and, and it comes brilliantly. And I don't have the chance to adjust from these forty days that we've spent preparing uh, in Lent. Uh, we, I, I feel like it's too sudden for me, and and too jarring. And I, I just don't quite have the chance to catch up. And I imagine that we all face this, this dilemma of the brilliance of Easter morning, let alone the brilliance of of who the light of God come in the face of Jesus really truly is in our lives. We all face this in one, to, to one degree or another. You may be on the outside ringing your bells with joy, but on the inside still thinking, while he has risen, I still am experiencing grief, discomfort, physical, mental, emotional ailments that perhaps no one else even knows about, let alone having seen them dispelled by the light of Easter morning. We, we, we see that war cripples our neighbors and it rips families 
apart. We, we have seen the pestilence of the last three years, even, uh, even ripping apart our Easter gathering over the course of at least one, if not two, maybe even three, or even for some, continuing to not be able to gather in the presence of God's congregation. So what, what do we say then on the brilliance of Easter morning? Well, what we notice from this passage is, is two, uh, the main point is that uh, darkness is real and powerful, but God's resurrection power is more true and powerful. The, the first thing we notice right away in this passage is that the darkness is real. You see Mary Magdalene running to the tomb, and it's uh, this, this, fascinating, uh, this, this fascinating little uh, prepositional phrase, with it still being dark. It, it was still dark. Uh, you see, for, for us, the darkness of our lives is real. The scriptures, they don't promise immunity from darkness in despair, but instead they, they promise it to those who are faithful to Jesus. In fact, we see this throughout the New Testament, this idea of being able to persevere to the end when, when Jesus will bring about the fullness of his light. And yet now, though his light has come in the resurrection, glory of Easter morning, so still we must endure in this age of the church. The, the darkness of our lives is promised to us for those who are faithful to Jesus. And frankly, it's, it's promised to those who, who aren't faithful to Jesus as well. The darkness has a say in our lives. And, and, and the, the second thing that we see is the darkness of our lives is powerful. Again, the, the illustration I just mentioned, if you, if you need to look around too far to find illustrations of how darkness and pain touches our lives, and, then you just really haven't been paying attention uh, specifically to what we have collectively as a global society, let alone as a community here, as a church that was that started on February 2020 and, and immediately had to go online. And we, we never even gathered to meet in person until well after what we had expected to be a joyous gathering and meeting. Instead, we're staring at each other's on Zoom and wondering why that one person can't quite figure out how to mute themselves. <laughs> See, the darkness of our lives, it's powerful. It has its say. See, see when, I, when I sat down to write this sermon, uh, I was just at the beginning of the study of this passage when two women came and knocked on my door, and they stood there, they introduced themselves, and they asked me uh, whether I felt much anxiety about the world uh, as I watched the news every day and, uh, and, and got scared at night. And I was like, well, I don't really get scared at night, but I do understand what you're saying. Like I, um, and uh, they proceeded to ask me, well, who, who do you think is in control? And I said, well, I think God's in control. And, and they said, oh, well, uh, take a look at this passage. And they, they opened up the Bible uh, to 1 John 5. The very, uh, the very author I was just studying 
for this uh, for this gospel reading. I was literally just looking at this, and they said, "What, what does this passage say?" And it said, uh, "I read it, and it says we know that uh, we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one." And so they proceed to say, "Well, who's really in control here then?" And I said, "Well, uh, the the evil one, according to this passage." And they said, "Well, who's the evil one?" They said, "Well, the devil." And they said, "Well, well." How is it then that God's in control? And I said, well, um, I have to go back to what I was doing, but please return next week because I love talking to uh, people when they want to come and talk. Like I love it when um, they were Jehovah's Witnesses and they wanted to have a Bible study with me. I said, yes, please, next week. Right now I have to concentrate on this. But you see, in their minds, there, there's this false dichotomy that I believe that they, they were setting up for me. And this perfect illustration that they gave to me on a silver platter. You see, they, they, they were saying, is, well, well, if the devil's in control, then, then there has to be something else where God is in control. There, this world is, is not nothing. And I, and I was saying, no. Um, in my heart of hearts, I was saying, no, the devil does have his say. Satan is, does have control and does have a say in this world, but God has already had his word. He's already spoken a word to my well-meaning Jehovah's Witnesses friends here because they were touching on something we can all relate to. The enemies of our soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they are powerful. The darkness is real. It does not immediately lift just because we become Christians, because we believe. They'll come to church it didn't even disappear for Peter and John immediately when they saw inside the tomb and knew and believed. It, it didn't just disappear for them. For Jesus, the darkness of death did not have its final word, but it was powerful. He dwelled in the darkness of death on Holy Saturday. For us, there's no denying the power of sin and evil in our lives. Grief, it saps us of our energy. Depression neutralizes our creative motivations. Our relationships are hurt by sin. And I know what you're thinking. Seriously, Father Ryan, it's Easter. <laughs> what are you talking about evil so much more? But really, we're left to ask, what is our hope in real and powerful darkness? I just want to be here to, to testify to this, that there is hope in a real and powerful darkness. See, God's resurrection power actually raised Jesus from the dead. John goes to painstaking lengths to make it very clear in this passage, but also going back several chapters John is anticipating and already experiencing in the first generation of the church doubts about Jesus, uh, about whether he actually died, about whether he actually rose, whether he was actually a human being, about whether he was actually divine. Did he actually claim that or not? Uh, these are questions that we continue to hear from all avenues and even grapple with in our own lives to this day. And so John is communicating very clearly the evidence 
uh, it feels kind of like a CSI TV show, if you will, of like he's grabbing the evidence that he already knows to, to, to anticipate the arguments that we have heard for now 2,000 years about why Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But he actually, God actually rose Jesus from the dead. Our creed says on the third day Jesus rose from the dead. It means Jesus was not simply resuscitated. Okay? God restored him physically from death to life in his resurrected body, never to die again. In this passage, we see John presenting all of these arguments. His tomb was empty a rock that was physically impossible to roll away for one person, let alone uh, one woman that he mentions here, Mary Magdalene. Even if you offer that the other gospel writers said there were other women uh, along with her, the idea is that they couldn't possibly have actually rolled this rock away. They were even trying to figure out how they would go in with their spices to bless, uh, to uh, anoint Jesus' body when they got there. And it certainly wouldn't be the disciples because the disciples, they were off in their own worlds doubting and trying to figure out what on earth they were going to do with their lives now that their Messiah was gone. Jesus had risen bodily from the dead and yet they did not yet understand. The, The risen Jesus was seen by his apostles and hundreds of witnesses. Darkness, while real and powerful, is still subject to this, to Christ, the light of humans shining in the darkness. Ultimately, the darkness has not overcome the light of life, Jesus Christ. God's resurrection power actually works in and through his people. Into the darkness stepped Jesus, the light of Christ. Out of the darkness of the night, of death, the cross, the the darkness of the cross, Jesus stepped with his resurrected body into a world groaning to be redeemed and resurrected itself. For the women who went to the tomb, Jesus is... Resurrection was, was already at work, even though they thought someone else had come along and taken the body. For Peter and John, they believed when they perceived the evidence, that when they saw the rock was gone. When they saw that the head covering was folded in a place rather than strewn about in the tomb, they knew and believed, as our passage says, They knew that this was Jesus communicating that he had risen. But still for them, though they believed, they would not fully understand until the Holy Spirit revealed more and more of its purposes for them in their lives and in their ministries. And so too for us. The resurrection life for us is one of constantly coming to a fuller and fuller understanding that God's power over all, even death itself, transforms us, transforms us 
into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, through the darkness and suffering of our lives. We seek and find God's resurrection power in newness of life. God delivers us from darkness. We seek salvation. Uh, this, this comes from John Murray, a, uh, a theologian from the uh, Reformation period. If we seek salvation, we are taught by the very name of Jesus that it is of him. If we seek strength, it lies in his dominion. If we seek redemption, it lies in his passion. If newness of life in his resurrection, if immortality in the same. As God's church, the resurrection means that we say along with the apostle with the Apostle Paul, that we have been raised with Christ. Those of us who have been baptized into his death, so too we can have confidence that when we remain in Christ, we will be raised with him in his resurrection. And so Paul says, so what do you do now on Tuesday at 11.30 p.m.? Well, a.m., I guess. I'm hopefully sleeping by then. But at at 11.30 a.m., what do you do with the resurrection life you're living. He says, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seating at the right hand of God. For Christ, who is your life, when he appears, so too will you appear with him in glory. We are to live in light of the promise of everlasting resurrection. As our, as our catechism says in, in uh, question number 120, it says, uh, it says this, that I should live in joyful expectation of the fullness of my transformation, soul, and body into the likeness of Christ. In the midst of suffering or in the face of hostility and persecution, I am sustained by the hope of a new heaven and earth, free from Satan, evil, suffering, and death. What would it be like for us, Corpus Christi Anglican Church, in our personal lives, in a collective body, to pursue the constant refreshment and restoration and renewal of the resurrection power of Jesus to embrace this call completely? What would that look like, brothers and sisters? That Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And Christ, our Easter morning Savior, has been risen for us. And is walking with us in the newness of life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for coming for dying for dwelling under the power of death and overcoming it through the cross that through your resurrection and Lord we thank you for Easter morning and we thank you for the call to experience your resurrection power day in and day out uh, to engage with all of the places of our lives that you are calling us to in Jesus name we pray Amen. Amen.